Learning Scripture, Knowing Christ. Welcome to the Hashtag One Fear Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast, and we got the trio again, and hopefully we won't strangle each other as we go through this episode, because we all are just loving to annoy each other on purpose. <laughs> Isn't that right, Ray? Oh, I'm going to hurt Dom. <laughs> I'm going to hurt him. If you hear a thunk, it's thunk, me throwing yeah. something at him. It's probably the mic. Yeah, it's so, probably, I'm going to slam yeah. the mic over you. Just swing the, the boomstick over. and <laughs> Quite literally, will be a boomstick. Uh, Danielle's going to sit back and... Watch the whole thing. Observe the chaos. Yeah. So this is part four of our series on the Enneagram. It's our last one that we're doing because uh, hopefully by now we've we've gotten uh, something out there and clear to the listeners about the Enneagram. Uh, but this one, we want to talk more about the theology and the Enneagram. So we're going to look at a whole bunch of different uh, terminology, some terms and define them and talk about them a little bit here and there. Uh, because a lot of what we've already talked about, uh, I think it needs a little bit more in depth of uh, what we could better understand when it comes to how the Enneagram approaches theological understanding. Uh, God's ability to speak is through prophecy according to biblical precepts in Scripture alone. The Enneagram erases that and teaches that ultimate revelation does not come from God, but through practicing the Enneagram ultimately coming from the self. As a Christian, we should believe that Scripture cannot change and that God does not change. Yet the Enneagram views Scripture as subservient to the Enneagram and a requirement to draw closer to God. So why is that? It's because there is a certain theological stance that the Enneagram teachers and the Enneagram itself teaches that we need to understand in order to uh, be more, uh, have a better understanding and be more clear about our approach to this heretical teaching. And I, yeah, I, and I think I've already mentioned in, a, in one of the past episodes that, uh, I was going to get to the point of saying who is a heretic and who's not. <laughs> so here it is, Richard Rohr and his proselytes, if you want to call them that, uh, his people that he has taught, his disciples, whatever you want to call them, they are all heretics because not one thing that they teach is anywhere close to what is biblically sound. All right. So without any further ado, here we go. So Richard Rohr is a heretic, <laughs> and I don't use that word uh, very easily because there's a lot of teachings out there. There's a lot of pastors out there that sometimes they just drop the ball. Sometimes they just don't get it right. And when that sort of thing is pointed out, hopefully uh, a, a great pastor will say, you know what? Yeah, I, I see w- what you mean. I understand. And I was wrong. And they correct that. That's not a heretic. That's someone that got something wrong and was corrected. Richard Rohr is like, no, it's not wrong, and I'm going to stick to it. And same thing with all his his uh, proselytes. Uh, Suzanne Stabile, Ian Cron, all those are all heretics. Because uh, they know, that, like, this is, this is exactly what they align with. 
All right. Uh, Richard Rohr denies the biblical doctrines of man, sin, creation, salvation, and God, and teaches a false Christ slash Jesus by teaching that Jesus was not the universal Christ, because the universal Christ is bigger than Jesus. Like, really? Uh, and I think that came from his book, The Universal Christ. <laughs> um, in retrospect, creation is Christ. Rohr has also written that his dog Venus was also in Christ for him in a dedication piece in his book, The Universal Christ. What? Yeah. So like that little that little section that's like, I dedicate this book to my wife because she's so amazing and supportive and all this, or like my students or whatever it might be. He dedicates The Universal Christ to his dog Venus because the dog was also Christ in him, for him. Yeah. In 92, 1992, just to be clear, because a lot of people might think the Enneagram is ancient. <laughs> so 1992 AD. Uh, <laughs> AD 1992. Uh, Rohr wrote a book starting it, uh, stating it was not of Christian origin, but can be used as such, to, uh, talking about the Enneagram. The Enneagram can be used to have a deeper relationship with God, even though it is not discovered by Christians. He said that himself. He, and I've mentioned this before, so I'm not going to take a lot of time on it, that he he uh, adheres to panentheism. Rohr asserts that all created things are a manifestation of God. All, in quotation marks, created things includes humans and rocks and uh, dung beetles. Uh, this, this asserts that we have a deity in us all, and the Enneagram is the path uh, to the true self in which unlocks or manifests that godness within. Rohr takes out, uh, out of context, 1 Corinthians 3.18, citing only certain parts. He wrote, quote, The whole world and everything in it that is good, true, and beautiful is at the disposal of Christians. Quote, For all things are yours, and you are Christ. End quote, end quote. The irony is that 1 Corinthians 3 is probably the most powerful argument against the use of the Enneagram. So he totally misrepresents scripture when he, he uses that scripture, parts of that scripture, uh, and takes it out of context to get his point across. When the, the original writer, Paul, when he wrote 1 Corinthians, he was not talking about anything remotely close to that. Uh, as there is a true self, there's also a false self that implies that we are not sinners, just an incorrect version of us that blocks the true self that is already there. Therefore, there is no need for sanctification or atonement. We need to understand that if something is based on the Bible or inspired by the Bible, it does not mean it carries the same authority and power as Scripture. So take, for example, all the cults out there. Uh, there's a lot of them. Anybody that has gone out of their way to say, yep, you know, this is, this is what I've gotten from God. I got this download. I got this message from God, uh, the message from the sky or whatever it was. Um, they can get people to believe, if they can get people to believe that what they said is equivalent to the authority of scripture, then they can gather a following to follow their cult. All right. That's so dangerous. How many people, how many especially in the past hundred years, maybe le even less, how many people have come out of the woodwork stating that, yeah, uh, my words are like the very words of God. 
Um, so to clarify, the canon of Scripture, that means whatever the canon of Scripture is, that like what we find in the Bible, Genesis through Revelation, that is our canon of Scripture. And a canon of Scripture means that nothing can be added to it any longer or taken away from it. It cannot be edited. It cannot be uh, redacted or anything like that. That is what Scripture is, and that's how it stays. What is happening here is that a lot of the teachings are saying this is equivalent to Scripture. Uh, some people might even say that the Enneagram itself is equivalent to Scripture. I don't think many people actually believe that, but they certainly treat it as something better than Scripture. Because why go to Scripture when we have something like the Enneagram? Uh, take meditation also for an example. This is scriptural with certain prescripts. But when we say that meditation, for example, automatic writing that we talked about, brought about a biblical principle, new or old or assumed to be biblical, does not mean that principle has the same authority as Scripture. All right, so hey, <clears throat> the uh, automatic writing that was practiced to develop the Enneagram does not hold the same authority as what Scripture has. In fact, it actually is negated by Scripture. Even more importantly, just because someone says that uh, what they teach is inspired by God does not mean it is. Like, wait a minute, my pastor <laughs> or an Enneagram teacher can actually not be teaching something scriptural? Absolutely. People make mistakes. All right. And how I already clarified what a heretic is, is someone that will teach something that's not true and say, yeah, I still believe it's true. Where, you know, we make mistakes. If we correct that, then no, we're not a heretic. We just made a mistake. All right. So just because someone says that uh, what they teach is inspired by God doesn't actually mean it because we can make those mistakes. All right. Kron and Stabil teach that our predictability is what hinders us. For example, if we excel in one area, that area is the vice. So uh, we can go around and say, um, yeah, yeah, I'm really good in this one area. And it's like, okay, well, if you're good in that area, then I could predict that you can do this or do that. And that's the very thing that can hinder us. What if we take our goodness too far and that's what becomes an idol? Of course, that kind of thing can happen. All right, but it's not what Kron and Stabil are actually teaching is that they can turn into such a, a vice from becoming our true selves that then we therefore cannot become our true selves and we remain as our false selves. Rohr teaches that this process leads to seeing the truth, not a quote, membership in the right group or reciting the correct formulas or even practicing the right morality. Sins eventually are viewed as addictions to good things, not evil or what sin really is, which is rebellion against God. All right. They don't view sin like that. In fact, uh, moral wrongness is the, the way that they would describe it because we can't mention that we're sinful people. Uh, apparently that's not necessary. Uh, until there is a shift into working on the inner self, the person is trapped within themselves and so are immature. So with that, hopefully that was a 
good recap of uh, some of the stuff that we talked about and a little bit more clarification before we get into some terminology. Do you guys have anything to add before we go into that? What do you mean by addictions to good things? Like, So I love playing guitar mm -hmm. and I, I will play it as much as I can. That can be easily said, I'm addicted to it and it's hindering me from doing God's work. Or becoming my true self, whatever you want to say. So they call that a sin? Yeah. Being well, no, they don't call it a sin. They call it moral wrongness. Which we would understand would be something sinful. Yes, we can make things our, our idols. Mm -hmm. um, for example, like guitar playing. Uh, if I was just doing that for myself and it did it all the time, then obviously, yes. But that goodness can be used for the glorification of God and the expansion of the gospel to unreached people. Um, should An avenue, I should say. That's I mean, that's not like the gospel. Uh, we need to always implement the gospel in whatever we do. But what they're saying is that we shouldn't be doing that goodness because that is what is hindering us. It keeps us away from our true self. All right, so th some theological terminology. Uh, like I've already talked about the panentheism. That's different than pantheism. Uh, panentheism is a heretical teaching. that uh, This is the teaching that God is in all things created. This is not found in Scripture anywhere. Uh, any scriptural references used are taken out of context and eisegetical. Uh, scripturally, God has created everything and so is separate from creation, that is not to say he is not active in creation. Understand, the creation cannot be equal to or greater than the creator. God is not dependent on creation. All right, so what a pan panentheist might believe is that, I, I think even Rohr even goes all the way back to the Genesis, uh, Genesis creation account and says that all the stuff that happens in there is God making a piece of himself into creation. Now, for how long have we believed that ex nihilo, uh, the, I don't think I said that right, but uh, God created from nothing. Everything came out of nothing. It, like how he created it, he just, he made it. So he didn't need materials in order to create creation or all of creation. It just, it just came out of nothing. Okay. Panentheism is saying, well, he had to get the material from somewhere. So he used himself. And that's where uh, our godness derives from. All right, perennialism. That all religions, philosophies, sciences, etc., all knowledge, experiences as well, maybe, uh, have their origin in the same one God or truth. This is more popular within religious and f philosophical understandings than sciences. Uh, with perennials, it is possible that one religion serves its purpose and is done with in order for the next to take its place for that specific time in hum human history. A perennialist will say, you know what? Yeah, we're Christianity needs to evolve, and it needs to have something like the Enneagram to usher in this next new phase into how God is active in our creation or, you know, for whatever other reason. So that's what a perennial is, perennialist is. Um Anthropology, and, and these all three of these are going to be very connected to each other. Anthropology 
is the study of societies and cultures and their development. Teachers of the Enneagram, especially Rohr, have developed their own anthropological understanding. In addition to perennialism, teachers of the Enneagram regard social and cultural rhythms as ever-evolving. This evolving detracts the individual from realizing their divine self, their true self, as if it is often cited, as it is often cited, hence the necessity of the Enneagram. So because of these transitions throughout time and the rhythms uh, of social uh, uh, and cultural evolutions are happening, uh, because of all that happening, there is something that we need to be better uh, aware of. So how do we become aware of those ebbs and flows of cultures and stuff like that? Uh, well, the Enneagram is the next thing up. All right. So in essence, it's really saying that scripture is becoming irrelevant. Because with all these different things that are changing, we need something upgraded. We need something better. Hence the Enneagram. Whereas, okay, because scripture is not fulfilling our current cultural needs, then we need something different. But here's the truth, listeners. The Enneagram is not doing that. It's actually taking us backwards. And scripture is the only thing that can answer anything that's going on in our cultures, in societies, and how they're developing. So Rohr has developed, and other teachers as well, have developed their own anthropological uh, it takes on how things are going around the world, like how things are functioning in what country and all this other kind of stuff, which may, which actually amazes me that they can understand all of human history in every single country in culture and how those societies functioned and be able to recognize those transitions and changes and ebbs and flows in all of them. I can barely understand my own town. <laughs> Maybe because I'm just not into that kind of thing or I'm just, uh, I only observe a certain amount of things. I don't think that you can say the Enneagram is the solution to all of that. But what has been around for a long time is the word of God and Christ himself. W without that, then yeah, of course, society is going to, have have its ebbs and flows and not not be well. We need scripture. We don't need the enneagram for that. That's what blows my mind because people trash Christianity, but it's like even if you just look at it from a perspective, it's like it's literally just wanting you to be a good person and like help other people. Like if you look at well, like the big picture, and it's like yeah, and, and that's. I mean, I I don't want to say that that's the only. We can't say that's the only thing. Well, though. no, yeah. but like if you look at a big picture, it's like. Yeah. He wants you to just help people. Like, yeah. it, it says like that. Like, free diapers at a pro-life place? Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's, that's sinister. That's the end of the world. Like, or, you know, feeding third world countries and stuff. Yeah. How dare we? Yeah. Um, just because if we go on to a missions trip, and I'm... Uh, people might think I might be bigot, uh, a bigot about this kind of stuff, but going on small, uh, small missionary trips, I think, is more damaging. Our, our, our next uh, theological term is the incarnation, Jesus in the flesh. The Enneagram assumes there are multiple incarnations. The one, the first one was at creation because, you know, like I already explained, when uh, God created things, he used a bit, a bit of himself. 
uh, Enneagram teachers may not outright teach that, but make the assumption to that understanding. For example, the first incarnation was at creation and also at Jesus' conception. To Roar, incarnation and salvation are interchangeable terms, which they should not be. Uh, incarnation is, is Christ, is Jesus in the flesh, it's God in the flesh, and salvation is the work that he did to secure our salvation. On the, what he did on the cross and his death and resurrection, that, that is uh, what our salvation uh, has, how it has been established. Now, the term in Christ, how many times have you guys, have you two heard in Christ? What do you mean? Like, Just... how, how frequent or how popular is that? You know, it, it being in Christ or, the, you know, as in worship, we, we might worship in Christ or uh, devotions in Christ and prayer in Christ. I feel like it's fairly common. I don't yeah, it, it's pretty yeah. common. Yeah, yeah. But how we understand it, it's like when we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Like when we say, usually when we end a prayer, we ask this in Jesus' name, in Christ, amen. You know, those types of things. Uh, so when we think of in Christ, uh, in addition to how the Enneagram teaches the incarnation, it, it also has a different understanding of what in Christ means. First, we are, quote, in Christ because we are a part of creation. Going back to the panentheism. Uh, not only making us equal with God, but also without sin as God is. In Christ is understood by Rohr and other Enneagram teachers that humanity was unified with God at creation. The incarnation, according to evangelical Christianity, is then denied and is pointless, with its redefining by the Enneagram. Second, Rohr wrote in his book, Immortal Diamond, that the believer should not look at God, but instead look out from God, implying a godness within ourselves. <laughs> You're getting huffy, Ray. This man <laughs> it's a, is just so... It's, yeah, like how things got developed. I Like, I would love to like go back in time and just like observe who he talked to and what they were, what they were I saying. I want to arrest him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, it's when, when he's talking about in Christ, it's talking about, you know, that, that moment that God was at creation and that, that was in Christ. That was his incarnation. And because we're just here existing that we are also in Christ, but that's not how the, that's not how scripture explains it. Uh, second Corinthians five, 16 through 21 reads, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do, know, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself uh, to, in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you as on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who, ha who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Nowhere in there 
does it ever say that we're already the righteousness of God? There's stuff that needs to be done. Yes, the salvation has been secured, but we continually need to be reconciled to God. That is what in Christ means. Uh, Verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So first of all, we have that ministry of reconciliation. And he explains exactly what that is in verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of, hang on, I'll I'll go back to that. Um, So this ministry is that he, uh, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Why would he have to do that if we're already in Christ? it's because he's got it wrong. Roar has it wrong. We are, we need to be reconciled. Uh, and what Christ has been doing is re- reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. That doesn't mean that we're sinless. That doesn't mean that uh, we don't have the ability any longer to do sin, that we have this true self versus a false self. That's not scriptural either. What he's saying is that we continuously need to be reconciled to Christ. And when we do sin, we have, we have Christ and his grace and his mercy. That doesn't mean that we automatically have our true selves when, he, when we come to the special knowledge that the Enneagram has for us. All right. And the second part, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. All right. So we have the ministry of reconciliation and now the message. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. If we have this message, somebody's got to tell, tell people about it. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And then to make this all possible, verse 21, how is it possible that God can be, God is going to reconcile us through Christ, in Christ to himself? Uh, Verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Big emphasis on the might. That we might. That doesn't mean we automatically all are already our true selves. Get rid. Of, get rid of that terminology. True self and false self. Just, just drop it. Burn it. Get rid of it. Okay. We need to be reconciled to God. So that is what in Christ is. Any thoughts before we continue? All right. The next word, Christology. Uh, it's an ology, so it's a study of what? Christ. Christ. <laughs> Christology. Rohr teaches that Jesus and Christ are two separate entities. How? I don't know. How? <laughs> How? I don't understand. He cites these verses in reference to this heretical presupposition. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. And Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. Stop you talking. guys, Just stop you get. Stop talking. <laughs> Y'all can, they're not in that packet. They're not? Where's no. my phone? Um, so the listeners, you guys can read that on your own about um, Christology and those verses that he takes way, way, way out of context. You want to read them now? I'm going to. You want? Should I pause and we'll... If you want to. All right, Ray read them. Go ahead. What's your take? <laughs> this man is so... Stop in- yelling. Gosh. 
You let me read them. This is your fault. I'm yelling. It's your fault. <laughs> I don't understand how you could say something like that. Clearly, he is a heretic. Yeah. He is just wonderful and very intelligent. That, I, I sense some sarcasm. Oh, no. So, Why would you think that? Roar teaches that Jesus and Christ are two separate entities. Just and used right next to each other yeah, in the Bible within the same three words, but it's fine though. Yeah. They're completely different. Well, the um, let me pull it up real quick. The Colossians, uh, so those verses again are John one one through eighteen. Colot, and it'll be in the notes. Uh, Colossians one fifteen through twenty and Ephesians one three through fourteen. Now the Colossian one, uh, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Rohr uses this verse, uh, all things have been created through him and for him, uh, to hark back to the uh, panentheism, where all things have been created through him, you know, like going back to, well, he had to have some material he must have used himself, so therefore we're all a little bit of a deity in us. Verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. I think he might avoid that part. Uh, For God was pleased to have all his fullness, not just a couple pieces here and there, his fullness dwell in him that is in Christ, not in all of us. You know, he's saying that, yeah, it, at a panentheism, we have a piece of God in us. That's how we were, were created. And that is completely negating this verse right here. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to be to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So therefore, to separate Christ and Jesus right there, I I, I don't know how he can separate them. He's talking, this verse, Paul is talking about Christ, that he's talking about Jesus and all the fullness of God in him, but then continues to say, for God was pleased, uh, in verse 20, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That's the Christ part. So how, how is he separating those two things when, when Jesus is being spoken of in those, in those verses and then talks about that same Jesus being the Christ to reconcile by his blood? It's impossible to separate the two. I don't understand how he how he can do that. All right, I didn't want to take that long on Christology because it's it's Christology. It's a study of Christ. I hope we're always studying Christ, that we're always in Scripture doing that. All right. Uh, now the next one, sin and total depravity. We've already talked about that, so I'm going to be real quick with this one. You ready? Oh boy. According to the Enneagram, since we are a product of our surroundings and upbringing, we are not liable for our sins. All right, I get that. We have our surroundings, but that doesn't mean that we're we're not guilty, okay? That we're not sinless, okay? Roar teaches, as with the basis of the Enneagram, that all things are holy because God is in them. Roar refers to the fall as the, quote, the problem. 
Well, yes, it's a problem. It's a pretty big problem. And thank God that Jesus Christ did what he did to resolve that problem. Okay. Uh, but he recognizes that problem as something other than uh, what thrust humanity into a sinful nature and uh, total depravity. The sinful nature of, huma- of humanity is that they do not know their good, true self. Rohr states the true and essential work of all religion is to help us recognize and recover the divine image in everything. It is to mirror things correctly, deeply, and fully unto all things know until all things know who they are. Now, I I can't remember if that was taken from the universal Christ, but I think it sounds like it. Uh, the true and he says uh, the true and essential work of all religion. All right, so, whoa, we're going outside of Christianity to to go into those realms. Uh, here's the Enneagram, guys. Uh, knowledge of the self is therefore key, and the Enneagram is the tool that guides the user to the true self. Rohr takes out of context 1 John 2.21, saying the knowledge that John mentions is an, quote, implanted knowing, like an inner mirror that connects God equally to all creatures. All right, so here's the, here are those verses, and I'm going to read verses 20 through 23 instead of just 21. All right, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. I wonder why he just used verse 21, because that was 22. <laughs> 22, who is a liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. All right, it, that just amazes me. So sin and total depravity, when it comes to Jesus as the Christ, uh, all right, actually, let's go, back, let's go to verse 21, the one that he takes out of context. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. He's assuming that we have that implanted knowledge. All right, that's the, what's, uh, implanted knowing is how he words it, that it's already there. We just need to recognize it when we come to our true selves. And how do we do that? By figuring out what your Enneagram number is and go in that direction. This is this is complete heresy. Like how how can how can anybody pick up an Enneagram book, read something like this, or have this understanding and continue to use the Enneagram and say that, yeah, this is a Christian thing. It's not a Christian thing when it's completely denying Jesus as the Christ and and saying that we already have that knowledge implanted in us. We don't. There's a, it, there's a reason why Scripture was given to us. It's so we can know better who Christ is. That's pretty important. Because otherwise, you know, just use the Enneagram. You don't need Scripture. All right, the true self is also interchangeably stated as the authentic self or the true nature, also referred to as the essence or the essential self. Remember, Russ Hudson, a contemporary of Rohr, uh, states, an Enneagram type isn't a type of person, but a path to God. Oh, my 
gosh, it's complete heresy. Ah, <laughs> uh, yep, it is. Uh, we need not worry about sin or depravity of humanity's fallen state. According to the Enneagram, all we need to do is follow the path of the Enneagram type we are adjacent to. The truth is, we are all sinners, Christians included. John was not writing about how we have an implanted knowing when he wrote these wor- those words. He was combating heretical teachings, which was Gnostic and Docetic. John was and is calling the church to understand the true nature of Christ, not ourselves. We don't need a special knowledge like Gnosticism requires, a big part of the Enneagram. We also know the realness of Christ, where Jesus did not seem to be one thing, but is really another, like the Docetists asserted. Again, another big part of the Enneagram. John asks, who is the liar? And answers with, it is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. The theological understanding that is being taught is that Jesus and Christ are two separate entities. Jesus isn't Christ and Christ isn't Jesus. That is heresy. So who is the liar? It's whoever's been teaching the Enneagram. And it's been asserting that Christ and Jesus are two separate entities. Or making that assumption. They may not flat out say that, but I bet there's a lot of what's going on around in all those Enneagram books that might be teaching in that direction. Bam. Now, our last term that we're going to go through is reconciliation. Reconciliation for the Enneagram is coming to a realization that your authentic self, the true self, is good. That is what being reconciled to God means, because that is, again, a path to God in mirroring that deity within ourselves. What the Bible says about reconciliation to God is this. We are called to be reconciled to God, according to 2 Corinthians 5.20. Reconciliation is a part of the atonement, the salvation life, according to Romans 5.10. God is the one who does the reconciliation, according to Romans 5.11, 2 Corinthians 5.18, and Colossians 1.19-20. Reconciliation is the declaration that, as believers, we have gone astray, need restored to right relationship with God, and succinctly, our lives are transformed then. That is what reconciliation is. A very you don't summarized need no personality yeah. test for that, and, and that's a very summarized, uh, abridged version of what reconciliation is. All right. So, with all that terminology talk, we are now going to start with our takeaways. Who wants to go first? Um, I think I saw Danielle's pinky no, point didn't. to you first. No, you did not. I did. No, you didn't. You go first. I always go first. That's because you're the not best always. out of the three of us. Not always, but... That's because you're the best. Yeah, but then you guys steal it from me. I have mine <laughs> written down. I just don't oh, want to go well, first. Oh, well, if you have yours written like, down, go ahead. I don't ahead. like going first. The first <laughs> will be last, remember? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my takeaway was about how people can very easily take scripture out of context. <laughs> oldest he just went <laughs> i was being, well i mean i was being facetious, facetious I know. a little bit but I, you want me to go first it's up to you okay 
Well, if it's up to me, you're going first. Fine. Go for I it. don't want to. Okay. What if I take yours? So what I was thinking about during this was a book I have to read for my class. Well, it's called. What B- class? Uh, the biblical worldview one. Oh, okay. I forget what the actual name of the class is. Biblical worldviewish. Hang on, let me look at the name. No, just, we get the, the we get the concept. Oh, biblical yeah. worldview in contemporary culture. That's a mouthful. Okay. Yeah. But in the, the book is in the 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 professor. <laughs> sorry. Oh, God, no, no, no. <laughs> The professor wrote a book called Beyond Biblical Integration, Immersing You and Your Students in a Biblical Worldview. It's by Roger Erdvig. Yeah. That's Roger Erdvig. Mm-hmm. And the one topic he covers is there. So obviously the creation story, but he has four words to kind of go along with it. So creation is ought. So like how it should have been during creation, like how it yeah. should be. Um, you can't read your own handwriting. No, I can't. <laughs> Fall is is, so like what we are now because of the fall. Uh. <laughs> I think you need new glasses. <laughs> I don't know what that word is. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> I just wrote it down too. <laughs> it looks like, wait, I think I know what it is, but I'm going to look it up first before it sounds like be? an idiot. No, it's, no. so redemption is can, so what it could be. Okay. And then restoration is will, like how at the end, oh, what okay. it will be. And what it made me think of is, so like even when you look at progressive Christianity, you kind of see where that, like all that stuff is, you know, like how they think. But with this, none of it lines up at all. Like from the fall going forward, none of it's the same. Yeah. Even creation's not the same. No, like, it, This isn't even in the same spectrum. Yeah. But yeah, that's my takeaway is that it's not even remotely on par. Like... Even the other ones, you can really, like, progressive Christianity, for example. Like, you really, they necessarily think of creation how it is, and then the fall. They yeah, just mostly. Yeah. They're just, the way you get there is a little different. Yeah, a little bit of a flop, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> even with this, from creation, it's wrong. Yeah. It's not even the same thing. Yeah. Didn't know? My turn. First time talking. Is your whistle good? Read your Bible. Whoa. What? Is that it? That's not cool. I was going to say that. <laughs> that's it, it no? okay. does it need to be expounded on <sighs> yeah so mine was going to be a little similar but i'll expound on it and i'll probably add something else to my takeaway if that's okay can i have two takeaways of course okay um <clears throat> so read your bible and uh I think the biggest issue that we have in the American church anyway is that we have no biblical literacy. And that's why the Enneagram did not sneak in through the back door. It was welcome through the front door and with the red carpet. You know, like that kind of thing is because we have no biblical literacy. And uh, churches out there, if you're on leadership, if you're an elder or even just a lay person, if you're a pastor listening to this, Get your congregation and get yourself first. Uh, get biblically literate. If you need help doing that, like you need that time, I really hope that your board's going to be okay with you becoming more biblically literate instead of making sure your calendar is fit. That's a big issue, I think, in, in many churches, that there's no time to to become more biblically literate. We can't go to those self-help books. We can't go to those nice message books. Uh, 
we need scripture more now today more than probably in in a long time you know uh now with that um i was convicted uh, a couple days ago when i was listening to a podcast on the resurrection and uh, talking about christology and uh the fallen state of humanity and what christ has done it's really convicted me to the point where like wow we really don't talk about the resurrection unless it's easter uh, so, hint, we're going to do an episode on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I actually wanted to read a, a, the book that was suggested in that episode that I listened to first. But it's not out yet. I don't think it's out till March. Which, hopefully, that episode won't fall on, <laughs> on Easter. Oh, that'd be terrible. <laughs> that'd be, yeah. Um, but anyway, that's something that we need conti- to continuously revisit. You know, we ha- we have communion that we do at least once a month, you know, whatever it might be. And uh, the first Sunday or last Sunday, whatever your church might do. And we always say, do this in remembrance of me. But we never revisit uh, those areas unless it's that time of year, Christmas time. That's the time that we go to Christ's birth. Uh, and the same thing with the resurre- death and resurrection. That uh, it's Easter time. So now we're going to visit those. But that's something that we need to revisit all the time because that is the foundation of why Christianity is Christianity. Because Christ, yeah, he, yeah, there's something wrong with humanity, and they need, they have that sinful nature, they, they're fallen state. So God did something amazing. Why not revisit that amazing thing over and over and over again? We like to visit all the David stuff. We love the Psalms. We love all this other kind of stuff that that uh, is more easily related, relatable. But when we read Scripture, it's not about us. It's about Christ and what Christ has done for us. And that's what we need to revisit more and more. So churches, become more biblically literate. Otherwise, the next... What's what's going to come after the enneagram? I've already mentioned just because we slap Christian in the in this at the start of it doesn't mean it's Christian. We need biblical literacy in us, and uh, don't take the lazy way out. Uh, dedicate yourself, put your heart, blood, sweat, everything into it. Stress that, yourself out doing it like I do. Just add to your schedule. Um. Well, That's what don't I do. stress yourself out. Oh, I'm so but it's okay to obsess. <laughs> Over, you know, uh, maybe. I'm so stressed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else before we wrap up? This is the end of the Enneagram series, right? Yes, this is the last. Thanks episode. for listening yeah, to us for call listening. people yeah. heretics for it's the past a- like how many <laughs> episodes? <laughs> um, yeah, our listenership has gone up a little bit with these ones. Really? Not as not as much as the one on sp- spiritual abuse, but enough. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think more people, and they probably should, go ta- uh, listen to Marsha Montenegro <laughs> and Don Vino. Um, but anyway, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff out there, and we, we thought it was appropriate to join in the discussion in, the, in this uh, topic. We had so much fun doing it, getting yeah. a little angry. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, hopefully we'll see you uh, in the next couple weeks with some other stuff that we had on on the table to talk about what are we doing it, <laughs> uh, what are we doing yeah I don't know. what was we didn't do one on the oh yeah yet. 
No, yeah, that's what that's one of them we're gonna do. And uh, I'm hoping I gotta get it on the schedule, but Doctor Doss might be coming back on. Yeah, so that'd be awesome. All right, so uh, thanks for listening for like the hundredth time. <laughs> it's like we're at church. It's like a Sunday church thing where everybody says goodbye for like an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the Italian um, way. Yeah, it's the Italian way. Yep. Um, but thank you, and. If you have any comments, questions, and <clears throat> concerns, contact at onefear.net is our email. And visit our website, onefear.net. And per the usual, live, live such, such good, good lives. lives.